Welcome back to Quarks and Controller. It is us again, Victor. And Victor. Surprise. Welcome to the show about boozes and screens. Where we pair fantastic beverages with fantastic media. Um, and yeah. Yeah, I, I, right. It's like, okay, so if you guys don't know already, we do this every single week. And every we have a week. blast doing it. But in case you're new, aren't you glad I reiterated twice? Reiter- reiterated twice? Man, am I not awake yet? Possibly. I mean, I feel like I'm awake, but like I'm still like, oh. It feels like Sunday morning without it being Sunday morning. It's Sunday morning. Man, I love No Doubt. It's a No Doubt song. No Doubt. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> clue the musiclessness <laughs> of my knowledge when it comes to those things. Oh man. So yeah, when when Mr. Victor showed up this morning, I wasn't even awake. <laughs> so we'll just we'll just get the story time portion of our show out of the way. And uh I was up all night working hard for the viewers. And uh yeah, I'm I'm here I'm hearing my my oh so fancy like like forty dollar ring camera thing you show, you show up on my phone a little preview of you <laughs> and i was just like oh no wait it's 10 already and i get it up and i'm just like oh and then uh so we had to go get coffee that's probably why i look a tad sweaty and oh. a little tired but we're, we're here to we're here to make some yeah you've had your coffee i've had a giant chunk of coffee a giant volume is liquid of coffee amount of liquid of coffee whatever <laughs> we're both Whatever. we're both getting there. Exactly. Uh, we're we're gonna start waving our hands and like start yelling, ah, and then jumping, we're gonna wake up, jumping jacks, and uh, provide an excellent show for you guys. So, yeah, uh, man. So the other day, I was having a fantastic conversation with some coworkers at uh, my undisclosed workplace, and uh, <laughs> it's gotten to the point of you know, talking about, just talking to some some friends about the show. Mm-hmm. That uh, that now I'm starting to, it's now I'm like slowly, very slowly becoming like the podcast guy at work. Mm-hmm. Where everyone's just like, hey, that guy's got a podcast. That guy does a podcast over there. Hey, Victor, where's your podcast? And then I have to just be like, it's, it's like I answer this question like six times already. It's on YouTube. <laughs> Go on YouTube. <laughs> If you don't like looking at us, then go on Spotify. I don't know what to tell you anymore. And like, I don't know, it's funny. Like, it's funny having a workplace that's so friendly that even like the strangers are friendly. Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, because uh, when you come from Target, you're just like, you don't, you only talk to like the same four people because everyone else is just kind of just like, man, it's the morning. I don't want to talk to everybody. Yeah. And, Meanwhile, over here, it's just like every single person is like, good morning, hello, how was your week? And I'm just like, I don't know you, I want to talk about my week with you. Yeah, exactly, it's a stranger, <laughs> like, no, I don't want to, no. <laughs> um, no, but I'm nice and I do talk about my week, but, you know, being, being who I am, I'm just a little, like, in my shell being like, it was fine. <laughs> and, <laughs> But no, yeah, and like, and now more and more people are realizing I have a show. So if you're a coworker of mine, hello, welcome. It's great to have you here. 
Um, but how's how was your week? Oh lord! So at my undisclosed job, um, we are well. We already got an intern, and then we're in the process of getting a few more. Um, So my job is a little stressful. Um, This past week has been a little bit more so because uh, we've been working. the, The best analogy I could give you is: imagine going back to your junior or senior year of high school. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's go to senior year, actually, because there's a big deadline. You got to meet something called a graduation. So one that I did not meet. <laughs> what? No. You didn't graduate high school. That's a different story. <laughs> put the shocked Pikachu face here. What? <laughs> what? I'm gonna overlay it over your face. I, literally, I'm like, what? But anywho, okay, so. Let's go back to that analogy there. So you got finals coming up, right? And sure. so to rephrase this, ordinarily you're stressing the fuck out because you're like, okay, if I fail this class, I'm not going to graduate, you know? So you're put, you're going through hell and he, hell. Is it hell and earth or hell through heaven? I don't know what the analogy to is To hell there. and back? To hell and, yeah. It, you're going through, I don't know, for lack of a better term, through all of um, Hercules. Is it Hercules that has those seven tasks? think so. I think it is Hercules, right? Yeah. But who knows? Um, but anywho, you're going through all of that to make sure you pass that final. Yeah. So you're going through the entire, well, in the case of like economics, you're going through the whole year's worth of, you know, bullshit because it's a cumulative class, you know? So you're, you know, staying up till three in the morning every day, making sure you got this thing memorized. And then the big test day comes and then you're pooped. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, fuck. Next week I graduate, if I passed. Mm-hmm. And so then you're waiting for that to come around, right? Mm-hmm. The best way I could describe my job, every day I have about six or seven finals. When you throw interns into the mix, you also got to worry about training them. If I give them a simple assignment that would be like, I don't know, a weekly test, Mm-hmm. It's going to be about five or six reruns before they even get to that, you know? And it's like, I need that midterm to finish my final, like, today. Mm-hmm. So that usually means I have to stay after work oh, to make sure I catch up on that. Um, and that's not even including all the knowledge they have. to. So let's just say I've had a hell of a week. I am fatigued. I am tired. And I am ready for a goddamn drink. <laughs> well, that's a, a nice segue. We got ours. Our sponsored drink sec- segment coming on right now. Oh, yes. So really quickly, because we'll probably talk about this at the end of the show. So this is uh, Clodeval. So we talked about Clodeval two, three episodes ago. That's correct, yeah. Um, now this two, is, I believe. Yeah, this is not the 1976 Grand Val. This is their standard Napa Valley 2021 vintage uh, Cabernet. Um, absolutely delightful. A little bit cheaper as well. I think a half bottle of this at the winery runs you like ooh, 35-ish bucks. Mm, Full-size okay. bottle, I think it's like about 60 and then well, later on, we'll get into the specifics of this one. But uh, this is a beer made by monks in Belgium. Um, it is the Chimay Premier. That is the first fancy beer I ever had. So that beer has a lot of sentimental value to me. Um, but yeah, so today we're going to dabble into, you know, quality Cabernet and quality beer. I, I usually I usually drink the, the Blue Label. Oh, yes. The, well, I think it's just Chimay Blue right now. Or is it the St. Sounds? Mm, I think it's just maybe. Or is it? Or is it the double? There's the double, the triple. There's the sink sense. There's the premier. I'm gonna go with double. 
Final <laughs> editor, final answer. Oh, right. I, I think there's like a picture of you could find like all the Chimay beers as well because yeah. I think they're all like who the hell knows you know like what they are. But anywho, absolutely delicious beer. Yeah. Oh, oh. I'm sure I have one in here. Beer opener. <laughs> yes, the bar is handy. The bar is handy. Victor, is that a real bar? Yes, it is. It came from a bar. Anyways, I'm just bragging. <laughs> <laughs> no, no need to brag. I mean, yes, please brag. It's a beautiful little bar. All right. So, I'll grab it. <laughs> yes, I was going to say, like, I don't know if I'm forbidden from touching that glass. <laughs> I saw some oh. lettering on it, and I'm like... <gasps> oh, I see what you mean. Well, that's why it's facing the other way. Keen, keen uh, undisclosed former co-workers might recognize this glass. Yes. But for everyone else, look at the they, color don't know, on that. They, don't know what's ha- they don't know what's happening. Oh my god, it smells like a baguette with like malt and caramel. Right. This is my favorite glass I have. It's the arrogant bastard that I mess drinking. I mean, I know it's still available, but I see it way less nowadays. Aww. I think it's just a matter of distributing. They're just like, oh, maybe Total Wine. Well, maybe this random liquor store. Prost, my good sir. So it smells very like complex. It smells like malty, fruity, bready, plummy, mm. raisiny. Definitely getting the plum. So this is a beer that I absolutely love because it doesn't taste like beer. It has like so the very first time I had this, I was away at college and mm. I went to this little pizzeria that's literally sits on a river. Absolutely beautiful location. Um And I remember I was just Googling beer. I was just recently turned 21, and I could drink beer finally, you know. In Utah, there's a stupid little rule about alcohol, but we'll get to that later. Um, So I'm just sitting there, you know, and I'm like, hmm, that beer is expensive. I want to try that. (laughs) And at that point, I was drinking mostly. um, My favorite breweries are Sierra Nevada, Wasatch Brewing, and Squatters Brewing. So Mm -hmm. Squatters, Wasatch, and... um, well, Squatters and Wasatch, they're based in Utah. So shout out to the Utah breweries. Please send me beer or cheese. Beehive Cheese Company, I'm looking at you. Send us cheese. Um, but anywho, so I had only really been drinking, you know, those two kind of beers for the most part, anything from them. When I tasted this beer, I just remember thinking, holy, that word. And I Googled what this beer was, and quite literally, it is holy. So it is made by Cistercian monks, I believe, in Belgium. Oh, no, Trappist monks in Belgium. Um, And they've been making this same kind of beer for, I think, hundreds of years, maybe. Um, The cool thing about this is that these little uh, monasteries have, if you look at that little tiny square, it tells you right there, it's a Trappist beer. So they have breweries all over the world. So I think England has a few, Belgium has a few. I think there's one in Massachusetts here in the States. Um, so pretty much the story goes that these monks make this beer to support their monastery. Mm-hmm. So I think, I don't know if they grow their own little malts and whatnot, but I know they make the beer, they have the priest bless it or whatever, and they only make a limited amount of it every single year, just enough to pretty much keep the monastery running. Yeah. So this beer can be hard to find at times, depending on the time of the year. Um, but yeah, so I remember when I was learning about this beer, I'm like, wow, beer is so much more than just pounding down a beverage to just get drunk. Yeah. And I remember thinking the whole, you know, holy fuck, you know, and I'm like, oh my God, it's sacrilege. It's a Catholic beer. And I just said the word holy 
Yeah. So oh, man. Demonetized. But yeah, now was it delicious with the pizza? Damn right it was. Oh, oh I bet. God damn, I kinda want it. <gasps> we have a frozen pizza. I'm gonna dig into that bad boy this weekend. I was gonna say you got a little a uh, little bit of beer there left, you know. All right. Sick. So man, what I'm forgetting how my own show goes. <laughs> so let's start with what is a video game or media that you recently viewed or engaged in that I could pair a beverage with? Well, here's the thing. I've gotten lovely comment from uh, a mutual friend of ours, Alex Juarez. Oh, yes. And his comment says, go, go hard on the anime, bro. It doesn't literally say that, but I, I know the way he speaks. Um, and yeah, I, and I'm pretty sure last episode that's uh, coming out, well, at the time of this recording, it's coming out next week. I'm pretty sure I did talk about anime. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, because you paired a sake with it. Right. Well, there's an episode after that. I don't know. Forget it. <laughs> God, it's, a, it's he, he's, even, he's had a rough week, man. It's not, it's not even that early anymore. It's just, it's just whatever. Anyways. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I think I'm going to give you an anime. Alrighty, Tell and, me about uh, this anime. Okay, so one I'm fairly excited about, despite the fact that I've only watched four episodes, and I think there's seven episodes out now, so I'm a, I'm a little behind, but it doesn't mean that the first couple episodes do not come out with a bang. Mm-hmm. Uh, the anime I'm going to talk about today is ZOM 100. ZOM? ZOM 100, as Z- in zombies. Yeah, Z-O-M 100. Halloween is another approximately 30-ish-something day. No, 60-ish-something days, right? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. coming up. Now, what made me excited about this anime, first of all, when I, when I was looking at it, I was just like, I was like, oh, this art style looks like another anime called My Hero Academia. I love the anime. I don't care how mid the internet thinks it is. I don't <laughs> care. I, I, watched, I, watched all, I watched all the stupid, slow... Small episodes. I forgot what they call them. They're not shorts? Oh, they have an actual term? Oh, uh, yeah. Would you like to phone a friend? Heather. There we go. <laughs> not around. Um, I think she's getting ready for work. Um, uh, God, what the heck are they called? Oh, there she is. I'm, I'm losing. What is it called when anime has dumb episodes? It's filler. God damn it, it's filler. Dude, my brain is so off. I cannot do this podcast today. I'm telling you, it's decaf coffee they gave us, man. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I don't. I watched all the filler episodes, all the dumb side bullcrap that my. I don't care. I like it. Okay, that was my point. I'm sorry. I'll get back to the thing. So, so the art looks like My Hero Academia. But uh, it's from a new studio, so I'm thinking like, oh, so it probably has like a bunch of veteran anime producers that made a whole new studio. Uh, this is the first thing that they're doing. Like that happens all the time in industries. You know, you you get tired of your workplace, you go make a new one. Yeah. Uh, especially when you're. <laughs> and um, so yeah, so that was exciting. And then, and then when I realized that they're doing, because uh, I didn't know what Zom 100. I I know that it's like there's like. Typically, in the anime industry, usually a book comes out first, like a manga or a light novel, and then some anime producer loves it and wants to, you know... Yeah, make it into the... Make it into the screens. And then, so, I was like, all right, I get that much, but, like, why is everyone excited about it? And it turns out that the first episode just comes out with a bang. So, let me tell you what the first episode is. Yes. So, the, 
the show starts with this kid whose name I'm forgetting, but I'm forgetting everything in this episode, so forget it. It's a kid. <laughs> the name is Kid. Uh, he gets into, he goes into the production industry. Uh, I think they're also making animes, but whatever. Maybe they're making a movie. But he goes into it excited because he's just, he's just like, oh man, my first, my first real job in production industry. I'm so excited. This is great. And then um, immediately abusive workplace environment where like they're 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 working them into the grind, long hours, barely any sleep, doesn't have time really to eat, or doesn't really even have time to go home, have a full night's rest, and then come back. So he sleeps under his desk sometimes. Like all the abusive things that you think of, uh, his his uh, crush who is like the only light in his life. Uh, is getting like sexually harassed by the boss and stuff like that. So it was just like all, all sorts of all the worst things you can think about. This is episode one. This is episode one, and, <laughs> and that's how hard it goes. That's how hard it goes, <laughs> and um, and then it finally just beats him down to the point where he's just like, he's just like, wow, like I don't know life outside of this. I don't know how to quit. Uh, I really want to quit, and but you know. I just, I just wish the world disappeared mm-hmm. one day. And then it turns out it does because there's a zombie apocalypse that breaks out. And one day, he, when, one day he wakes up to his alarm being like, fuck, I got to go back to work. And then uh, he goes outside and he doesn't realize that everyone's gone and missing. And he doesn't really think about it. He's like, it's kind of weird how quiet it is. And all of a sudden he sees his first, he sees his first zombie and he's just like, that's weird. That person looks kind of sick. And whatever, and then they start chasing him down. And he's like, "Oh my god!" It's all scary. And he starts running away, and he's and then he starts putting together the pieces. There's there's wandering undead in the streets. They're aggressive. They're eating people. They're doing all this stuff. Wait, the zombies are eating zombies, or they're they're eating people, the alive people. Um, and he starts looking around, and he's just like, "Oh my god, it's the zombie apocalypse. Everyone's dead." Nice. And so, so for the rest plot of the, twist, holy shit! For okay. the rest of the episode, he's just like, "Fuck yeah, dude! I don't have to go back to work. Let's fucking go!" And like, and so like, he, and so he like he gets all excited. And he's just like, he's like, "Wow, this is amazing! I'm free from the shackles of my horrible workplace. I'm gonna do everything I always wanted to do that I never got to because I just never had the time." Mm-hmm. So he creates this list uh, because the full title of the anime is like Zom 100, uh, the bucket list of the undead or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's because he, he makes a list called 100 things to do before I turn into a zombie. And like, and like he just starts making a bucket list where he's just like, he's just like oh, I want to I go back to the beach or, or like I want to hit on a lady in, in, in a bar. Or like like all all like all this silly shit. Uh-huh. And uh and then yeah, and every episode is just him just knocking out a few other things. And there's a lot of anime zaniness that goes to it. Like the second episode is all about like he f- finds another survivor, and of course, because it's anime, it's a it's a cute girl. And but like, not the original girl. Not the original girl, no. Um watch the rest of episode one to figure out what happened there. And uh and like and he's just like He's like, oh, cool. And then, like, so one episode is just about to be like, it's like, I got to figure out what that, because, like, the girl's, like, super badass. She knows the zombie apocalypse. She's, like, she, like, trains and works out and, like, maps terrains and, like, all this stuff. Like, she's super, she's super savvy. And so 
she's just like, hey, don't talk to me. Don't, don't slow me down. You don't, you don't know how to, you don't know how to ri- do risk as- assessments. Mm-hmm. And so he starts obsessing about it. He's like, oh, I'm going to learn what risk assessment is. And like, all stuff. it's a whole thing. It's so funny. Um, I have a few questions. Let's yeah, see if you ahead. can answer them. This is my beef with Harry Potter is how practical is this show? Like this zombie 100, because I'm thinking, okay, if everyone, not everyone, but the majority of the people he knows are zombies, how is he getting around town? He's walking around town or is he on a bike? Is he in a car? Uh, first episode, he spends walking around. That's what the, that's what the girl kind of gets mad about. He's just like, you're just walking everywhere. Are there cars available to use? There are cars available to use. Most of them are broken down as a zombie apocalypse would teach you. <laughs> well, how does a car just break down out of nowhere? Oh, you know, maybe the tires go out. Maybe, because I'm maybe thinking someone like, crashed okay, it. You have a car, but like gas stations, I'm assuming, if you want to go put gas in there, they're either, you know, you need money for that. If he doesn't have a job, how's he going to make money to buy the gas? I but just jump, just jump over the register, hit some buttons. I'm sure. Well, so there's that, but then it's like, how is he eating? Where does he get food from? He goes to the local convenience store, breaks a window, gets in there. Yeah, but then like the food's going to expire. Like, but I guess that's the premise of the show, right? How long is this guy going to make it in this? Oh, yeah. Humanless, well, not humanless, but zombie apocalypse kind of thing. Yeah, there's always plot holes in zombies. It's kind of like with Harry anyways. Potter. Like, did you ever see anybody try to take a shower aside from Harry himself? No. Right? What the hell? Again, my beef, like, the practicality isn't there. Why have I never thought of that? Mm. Also, according to Nicole, we can't talk about Harry Potter. Well, this is my beef with Harry Potter, so I think we can cake on, you know, like the things that just okay. don't seem practical. Okay. Like, here's a uh, NSFW question as well. You uh, got to imagine these kids are sleeping with each other, right, in Harry Potter? Right? Maybe maybe towards the end. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's like, <laughs> you know. They're little kids when the movie first Well, starts. yeah, like I'm thinking like, you know, fifth, sixth movie kind of thing. Like, these kids, you know, I'm pretty sure, like, snogging. Snuck. Like, what were those two kids doing in the bush that Professor Snape caught them? And he's like, skedaddle, and then they just run out, you know? Like, they don't shower. They apparently don't have relations with each other, which I'm pretty sure, you know, if you go to any kind of college or university like that, you know a thing is going on. When's the last time you watched these movies? Oh, my God, years ago, maybe? Oh, my God, I watched it last year, and I had I have no idea what you're talking about. It's more fresh in my mind, and I'm, I'm just well, like, Well, I think it's just like in my brain, I'm thinking, this is impractical. Like, what's going on here? Like, how do they get haircuts? Like, do you just, like, wave the wand and say, haircut, I probably guess, yo, or I don't know, something like that? Is that how they take showers? Oh, uh, dude, I wish. The amount of money I'd say on haircuts. Right. But, anywho, that's aside from the question. So, yeah, that's just, that was, when you were talking about the zombie thing, yeah, I'm like, the practicality. Oh, yeah. How does that work? Not, well, First of all, it's a zombie apocalypse, and it's anime, so they just throw all that out the window. So, to pair a beverage with that. Hmm. Oh, man, i tell you one more thing. Yes. I blew right past it. I didn't mean to. Um, so, when you think zombie apocalypse stuff like The Walking Dead or like whatever Night of the Living Dead, whatever pop culture you want to go with, you're thinking of like bleak, dark, color palettes or like greens and browns and like whatever. Like this... This show is like the complete opposite. It's very bright. It's very blue. And if anything, instead of blood, instead of everything just being like red, uh, it like it looks like a it looks like a paintball match. There's like all the blood is like reds and blues and yellows and greens what? and like oh yeah, I'll show you I'll show you Im- imagery. Um, and like it's just in fact I'll show you right now because I'm probably help you with your 
with your parents stuff. But like, yeah, it's just the most colorful show you've ever seen. And it's all comedy. Like, like there are dark parts where it's just like they make friends with other survivors, but they don't make the night. They don't make it to the end of the night and they like watch them get eaten. Like it gets really dark, but it's mostly a comedy that's really bright. <laughs> so, huh. Yeah, let me show you some stuff. Um, yeah, here we go. So yeah, Zom 100, Bucket List of the Dead uh, is the name of the show. Uh, and yeah, this this poster is actually perfect. Like this is like this is what the like the show looks like. The zombies are pigs. Uh, no, I'm sure they're just drawn weird. It's a style. Wow, this is very paintballish for sure. So mm. people bleed neon blue and fuchsia. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so that it. definitely changes the dynamic. So this is about gore, but it's comedy and it's colorful. Mm-hmm. So three common characteristics there. So you got color palette. You got abuse. That's covered though in comedy. Mm-hmm. Damn. Okay. So in my head, I'm thinking right now, what beverage do I know at its core is abuse? But when you're drinking it, you're thinking, oh, this is so pretty, so colorful. But at the same time, it makes you, you know, crave more of it. Huh. Damn, I got to go with this one. You're going to die a laughter at this. My ode to the famous Negroni. So, a Negroni is a cocktail made with gin, vermouth, and a little thing called Campari. Mm-hmm. So, do you have a bottle of Campari here? I don't think you do, do you? No. So, a Negroni is made with three parts, like I just said. So, the gin, you can use pretty much whatever you want to use. I, myself, tend to go for either, let's see, there is one of my, the botanist is one of my favorites. Um, St. George makes a really good one as well. Um, but I think my favorite one of all time is the Monkey 47 coming out of Germany. Mm-hmm. But anywho, that's just your gin. Yeah. So all those gins, what they have in common is they're very aromatic, very flowery. Um, they give you like the sense of like you're smelling orange blossoms and peach blossoms and you have like lavender and rosemary and all this other shit, you know. Um, then after that, you have your Campari. Campari, when you look at it, is the brightest, most colorful, like yeah. almost like what kind of NyQuil slash, I don't know, cherry syrup hybrid is this? Like, it gives you the indication that it's, you know, strawberry Fanta, but then you have, like, this pomegranate syrupy thing, you know? But then you taste it. It's absolutely disgusting, in my opinion. It's bitter. <laughs> it is, like, imagine you are just eating the peel, like, the pith of a grapefruit. Mm-hmm. It's quinine It's bitter. It's really weird, but then it's sweet, so you're kind of confused. Um, and then at the very end, you add something called sweet vermouth. My personal favorite is Anticorte. Um, oh, my God. Vermouth is so weird because it's technically red wine that has been sweetened and aromatized with herbs. Yeah. So you also, you know, can get, you know, like, you'll have a vermouth that tastes, like, insanely, like, you know, like, cherries and plums and pomegranates. But then you'll get, like, this really weird eucalyptus, minty, mentally weirdness. Um, but then it's sweet as well. So all these three beverages are so uniquely odd in their own way. Like you have flowery, peppery, you have colorful, you know, but bitter. And then you have this complex, you know, like you're familiar with it, but you're not. So when you blend them all together, so the way I make my Negronis, it's Mm -hmm. pretty simple. Two shots of everything. Two shots gin, two shots Campari, two shots vermouth. 
Lights out, motherfucker. <laughs> now, when you drink this, so Negronis are controversial because it's almost like, I don't know, cilantro. Mm. You either find it insanely delicious or you loathe it. One of my friends, he adamantly tries to like Negronis. But every time he's like, it tastes like jet fuel. And in my head, I'm like, when the hell have you ever had jet fuel? Mm-hmm. Like, you don't know what that tastes like, you know? I find Negronis to be the most velvety, pure, just insanely rich. Like, oh, I want one now. <laughs> like, the booze is I'm there. Sorry, I don't have Campari. Like, the overlying theme with the, with the Negroni is when you're drinking it, you feel just peppy. You're like, oh my God, like this is delicious, but then you feel classy, but then you're like looking at it. The color of the final Negroni is pretty bleak, but when you taste it, it's just alive. It's like, it's flowery, it's fruity, it's fresh. There's a slight bitterness to it, but it's overall sweet. So every time I drink a Negroni, I just go to Happy Land. Mm-hmm. But in the back end, oh, the booze commands respect. You may not notice it. You may not know it's there, but it's still alcohol and it's going to knock you the fuck out. So, when you were telling me about this anime, I found a few correlations there, because I'm like, okay, the color scheme is obviously very fun, very, you know, inviting. It's like, ah, I'm anime, you know? And then, when you're watching it, it feels like you were describing it as almost refreshing. Like, it's just so much packed into one thing, and that reminds me of the vermouth component in a Negroni. Um, But then, it's a zombie at its core. A zombie's not your friend. A zombie's out to kill you. So so is alcohol. (laughs) So... I thought that a Negroni would be fitting. And the best part about it, a Negroni is a drink that you can literally baby. As in, you, you don't want to slam down a Negroni. No. When like I that. go out drinking with my friends, or if I'm at, you know, a professional meeting or something, my cocktail of choice is a Negroni. And that's the only thing I drink that night. <laughs> People that are in the know will know when you're drinking a Negroni, oh, this bitch is hard. Like, okay, you know, the only cocktail I think that can out... Outdo a Negroni as far as booze goes is a kamikaze. Um, now, if you tell somebody that, you know, I'm drinking a kamikaze, you're going to be like, what kind of frat boy are you? You know, like drinking a kamikaze. You tell somebody you're drinking a Negroni, they're like, oh, what are you? Like an engineer, a lawyer, a doctor? Like what kind of classy, bougie alcoholic are you, you know? So that's the kind of respect. that I would say it's on par with the classic try gin martini. Mm-hmm. Like they're on the same level. And I love them both. I mean, I just like, I hate gin by itself. I cannot sip gin. Oh, I love gin by itself. Oh. I'm, I'm, what kind of fucking possessed Lucifer and, you know, mentality do you have that you can drink gin by itself? <laughs> we're going to sit next to each other at a bar and they're like, oh, this guy's, this guy's fancy got a Negroni. And then they're going to look at me with my neat, just straight Beefeater? gin. Oh, my God. Oh. Just gin, just neat. And then they're like... See now Are the funny part friends? about now see the funny part about that is that if you order a shot of gin at a bar, they're gonna look at you like what the fuck? Now if you say I want a shot of gin with a splash of vermouth, they're gonna be like, ah, oh, he's drinking a martini, but he's not pretentious. That's the difference in perception there. So my official pairing for that would be a Negroni. Oh man, my my, uh, I, of course I would never answer your question for you, but like in my head, my basic bitch answer was gonna be like a Long Island because it's just like. <laughs> It's like it's like eight different alcohols, not literally, but like you know, you just throw everything in the kitchen sink in there, and then a splash of cola because it's fun, 
And then you're just like, this is so fun, so much, so much flavor, so much palate, so, or color palette, so much other stuff. And you drink it and you realize it's all sugar and your hangover is just going to be fucking... <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's just going to rear its ugly head. I think I've only had like maybe 10 long lines in my life. And I remember each and every single one. And every yeah. time I vow to myself, I'm never going to do it again. Yeah. Now, the good thing is the last time I had a long island had it been like four or five years ago. I think yeah. I'll remember my last the last time. Now, the last time, I had a, last time I had a Negroni, mm, four weeks ago, five weeks ago. That's a long time. Yeah. yeah. I will never. So, the, one more tidbit on the Negroni. Yeah. When we left our mutual job, mm-hmm. what I promised myself when I did that is that I would go out and get a double bacon cheeseburger from A&W. Get, you know, jalapeno poppers or whatever. I think it was a fried mozzarella sticks and make myself a Negroni. I remember that last day and I got home and I'm like, retirement at last. So I made myself a Negroni, enjoyed the hell out of it. Two days later, our little uh, mutual coworker calls me for some advice on, you know, how to do the job. And um, he FaceTimes me or I think I FaceTime him and he's like, what are you drinking? I'm like, it's a Negroni. He's like, you drink those? And I'm like, hell yeah, I love them. And I think he FaceTimed me like maybe another two, maybe one or three times after that, like in the next few weeks. And every time he did it, he called me with a Negroni. He's like, you really like those? And I'm like, I'm unemployed. I mean, I'm not unemployed. I have a job. But, you know, like I am enjoying my retirement, you know, like I deserve this. So, yeah. But anyway, that that concludes my Negroni rant. Was Was that the last time you had a Negroni? No. The last time I had a Negroni was probably the end of July. Oh, man. Around there. I'll make them here what, if you want. But I was about to say, next time we do an episode and you're like, I don't necessarily have to go home today. Yeah, I was going to say. Buy some stuff. Yeah, I could easily bring that stuff and I'll be like, yeah, Victor, we're going to wake up tomorrow like at 2 p.m., by the way, because, you know, one Negroni lights out, two. Yeah. <laughs> Just done. <laughs> well, I mean, at least the way I make them. You know, if you go to a bar and get a Negroni, I think it's going to be two shots of gin, half a shot of Campari, half a shot of vermouth. So it averages out to be about three shots of booze, I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Don't eat make them. They're delicious. All right, let's transition to the next part of the show. But let's get some of the let's get some of this. Oh yes, so Claude Duval. Um, if you listen to our show, what was it two or three episodes ago? Mm-hmm. And you were talking about Tears of Kingdom. Oh yeah. So I brought up a 1976 Grand Val Claude Duval that goes for a couple hundred bucks, maybe a thousand now. Um, I decided, okay, Victor needs to know what I'm talking about. Now this isn't that wine. This is, like I said, their standard introductory Napa Valley Cabernet. Now, this specific wine has an impeccable track history of aging incredibly well. I can name off the top of my head, let's see, there's the 91, the 93, the 96, the 98, the 83, 85, 87, 75, I think it was 75, that was Napa Valley designate. Um, yeah, these wines can just age incredibly well. They were part of the Judgment of Paris. Um, I don't think they took first place in the in like at least the first three retries. They took first place, I think, in one of them after that. Um, but what I love about them is that Napa Valley has this raunchy history. Well, I take that back. Napa Valley didn't mean to respect you. Mm-hmm. They have this uh, horrible history of following trends. So... A lot of Napa Valley wineries starting in the late 90s, early 2000s decided to hop on Mr. Uh, Robert Parker's uh, appendage in between his legs to get high scores from him. So pretty much if you made a boozy, super syrupy, you know, style of wine, 
chances are it's going to give you 100 points. You get 100 points, people think it's perfect, you got a rabid following, boom, your wine skyrockets and, you know, sales, goes more expensive, whatever. Clodeval was one of those wineries that never really did that. Mm-hmm. So when, you know, other wineries were changing their recipes, like, oh, I don't want to say Silver Oak, but Silver Oak, mm-hmm. Camus, you know, those guys. Um, while they were seeing record sales, poor Clodeval was kind of like left in the dust. Oh. So, yeah, Clodeval didn't really get much respect. People would say that these wines are watery, that they're insipid, you know, that they're flabby. Um, they're not really flavorful. The trade-off, though, is that at least now, maybe late 2010s, early 2020s now, um, they've been vindicated. Those wines from the 90s are tasting incredibly delicious. Early 2000s, incredibly delicious. Mm-hmm. If you put a Cabernet from, let's say, 1998, let's say Camus, Napa Valley, versus a 1998 Clodeval, it's not even a competition. That Camus is going to be beyond raisin syrup. So without going too much into this, to make an age-worthy wine for reds, you need a few ingredients. You need high acid, high tannin, high levels of flavor, slash extraction. If you're missing one of those things, your wine is not going to age well. Most importantly, though, high acid and high tannin are like requirements. Like, Mm -hmm. you can kind of get by maybe not making the most flavorful wine that will age well, but if you don't have high acid or high tannin, your wine is not going to live. It's just not. So, with a quality Cabernet, if your wine is made to taste great when it's first released, like I'm, again, looking at Camus, it's going to taste delicious. It's going to be low acid, low tannin, really fruity, flavorful, rich, velvety, whatever. But after about four or five years, there's nothing left because the tannins and the acid protect the flavors pretty much. That's a really rough, you know, analysis of that, but that's pretty much how it works. So, with Claude Duval in the 90s, their wines when they were first released were incredibly acidic, incredibly bitter, very dry, but they had structure and flavor. You know, that's how the French make them. So, obviously, in the 90s, wine critics were like, ugh, this is gross. Like, this doesn't deserve, you know, 92 points at all. It's like an 86-point wine, you know. But now, 20, 30 years later, these wines are silk bombs. I mean, they're massively velvety, very fragrant, super rich, but it just takes 20, 30 years to get there. So this specific wine, right now, is already tasting good. I don't know. What do you think? I think I think it's fantastic. Now I'm not. I'm also not a, a red wine person. But uh, when Victor brings these things, you know which ones to bring. Yes. So when you taste this wine, it's just refreshing, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the tannins are there, the acids are there, but it's refreshing. Yeah. It's like it doesn't have this obtrusive vanilla maple syrupy note that you get with a whole bunch of new french oak the color is great you know it's not like a super dark inky pink if you hold it up to the light it's actually kind of like translucent which means that it's just cabernet they're not adding anything else in there two functions for a softbox nice video lighting and (laughs) yeah exactly you can look at the color of the wine on that but so now this wine admittedly is not tasting its best right now because like really great wines it's going to take about two hours to open up Mm -hmm. so when you get back later on for dinner you're going to be like what the hell happened here (laughs) So, yeah. And my favorite part, they come in half bottles. So when you're not an alcoholic like me, you know, you can actually enjoy this in one evening and be like, okay, I did good. Do remember, though, that apparently (laughs) Victor has ways of proving he's not an alcoholic. I don't know what these ways are, but he can prove it. Yes, I can prove it, yes. Yes, I have a lot of wine, but I don't drink a lot of wine, believe it or not. (laughs) But that brings me on to the next part of the show. So, a wine that I recently had... This wine is, in a short way, funny, but great. (laughs) Funny, but great. 
So there is this little winery in Paso Robles called Tablas Creek. And they make this specific little wine called Rusan. So Rusan, we've talked about, I think I brought it up in previous shows, but it's this grape that is ubiquitously finicky. Mm-hmm. It like hates to live. Like in the, in the best analogy I could give you, it's just nihilism at its finest. Like this grape will find every, or let's just say the grapevine will find every possible way to make you fail. Mm-hmm. Too hot? No, nah, I'm not going to do it. Too cold? Oh, fuck you. I'm not doing anything. Not enough water? Eh, you can live without me. Too much water? I'm not going to do anything. It's just finicky, and it's incredibly hard to ripen these grapes. Uh-huh. Hence why you don't really see a lot of Roussan planted anywhere, really. You tend to find most of it southern France, but again, Taubus Creek, they imported their uh, their vines from a little winery called Beaucastel out in chateauneuf de Pop, very famous winery. But they took on the tall, tall task of trying to make the equivalent of the Beaucastel Blanc, which is a blend of mostly Roussan. Mm-hmm. Um, they also have the superstar wine called the Vieux Vigne Roussan. Yeah, that's going to be impossible to replicate. That wine is in the, if I could summarize it in two words, velvet and honey. Mm-hmm. If you ever get a chance to taste a VV Roussan from Beaucastel, you go to heaven. You go to heaven. Ooh. So, Tablas Creek, they don't try to make that. They try to make the Bocasto Blanc, which is, you know, their standard white wine. But, anywho, it's made mostly with Roussan. It's, like, about anywhere between 50 to, like, 80% Roussan in a given year. So, Tablas Creek is a boss for trying to do this. So, they actually make 100% Roussan. They say, not only can we make a great white wine like Bocasto, which they call Spree Blanc, they're like, we're going to make 100% Roussan to treat, you know, to prove you guys wrong. Now... Roussan's spiteful nature is not just in the vine, it translates to the wine itself. Oh, wow. So Roussan is this grape slash wine that if you time it wrong, you're going to be so disappointed. So to give you an anal- or you know an example, so Tablas Creek uh, recently took their club members, they released their 2013 rendition of the Roussan. So it's already bottled for 10 years. For all the shit that I'm talking about, Roussan, I love this wine. When it's good, it is fantastic. It makes you think that anything in the world is possible. Now, Roussan at Tabas Creek at least takes about 10 years to really reach maturity. So when I got this wine, I'm like, hmm, a 10-year-old Roussan, what am I going to do? Because you're pretty much playing with, for lack of a better term, a grenade that you don't know when it's going to go off. If you time it right, the grenade's not going to explode, you know? I don't know if that's the best analogy. Maybe you do want it to explode because you want the flavor explosion. So you're trying to, you know, pop open this grenade, but you don't know how to open it. So with this 2013 Roussan, I'm like, okay, if I open this right now, is it... So wine goes through this weird process where it's like in hibernation or sleeping, or the wine is closed or shut down. Roussan goes through this like people sleep at night. It's like time it wrong, the wine's asleep. So when this wine is shut down or sleeping, you don't taste anything. It's flavorless, it's bland, it's insipid, and it's disappointing. When you time opening Roussan at the right point, though, this wine is just indescribable. It is buttery, it is oily, it is rich, it is fra- it's like that 2009 Viognier from uh, Westbrook. Yeah, right. It's like that. Oh it's God. just fragrant, rich, Ugh. and velvety, and pure, and just extravagant. I've had a handful of those Roussans. Oh, you're going to make me cry. Oh, my God, I'm going to make myself cry. So with this 2013 Roussan, I decided to pull the trigger. I'm like, you know what? I don't get to drink these every day. I'm opening it. Open it, pour a glass. Guess what? Nothing. I'm like, oh, Roussan, you did it again. 
I'm like, Rusan, you filthy bitch. Why, why must you do this to me? So Rusan can take, once you open the bottle, you got like a five-day trial period. <laughs> it can take up to five days for this wine to reveal itself. Now, again, if you miss that time window, say, okay, so Rusan is just that bitch. So you can open this wine, right? Unless you have, what would it be, 120 hours a week to dedicate to studying this wine. Yeah. So let's say it's day two and it's tasting, yeah, a little bit better than it was when you first opened it. You're like, okay, maybe it needs a couple more hours. And now you're like, you're tasting it every, you know, hour or so while you're at home because you got to sleep as well. You got a job. Mm-hmm. So you're tasting it and you're like, it's tasting pretty good. And then let's say you're getting up on the fourth day and you're up at 6.30 and you're like, well, let's see what's going on. And you're like, holy fucking shit. This is tasting fantastic. And you're like, it only took you, what, three days and 16 hours to get here? And now you got to go to work. I was about to say, now you got to go to work. Now you got to go to work. And you're like, fuck. You got two options. You call off of work, have wine with the most fantastic meal at 7 a.m. on a Thursday. Or you go to work and you come back and find that wine is gone. There's a slight chance it might wake up again before the fifth day, but by the fifth day, wine is there's this thing called acetic acid that turns wine into vinegar. Mm-hmm. So by the fifth day, it's pronounced dead. So this is the wild thing about Rusan. So with this 2013 Rusan that I opened, I purposely opened it at 10 a.m. on a weekend because I said, "Motherfucker, I'm opening you first thing Saturday and gonna explore Sunday." And maybe call out of work Monday to hope that I catch you at the right time. So thankfully, it only took about eight hours. Oh. So I was tasting it every 30 minutes because I'm like, I'll be damned if I miss this tasting window. So I opened it up at ooh, 10 a.m.-ish, I think. And by like about 6.15, 6.30-ish, I was like, ooh, who's this juicy little pineapple? <laughs> and at that point, strike. I'm like, okay, I got a roast chicken ready. I got potatoes in the microwave. I got, you know, some cauliflower that I roasted. Oh God, and the time they're cooking too. Oh, oh this God. was already pre-made by the way. I was okay. not, I had this shit ready because I've been burned by Rusan. Can you see my anger? I've been fucked over by Rusan so many goddamn times. I, I thought, I thought you're going to be like, okay, this 30 minute taste, it's going somewhere. I better start cooking, but Yes, so I had everything ready, so I'm like, okay, I'm, you know, like, running about, I'm like, okay, fuck, 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 you know, like, okay, if it took, you know, this long, it should be open for about this many hours, you know, before it starts turning, so then I sit down, I have a drink, and it's better, so I had one of the best meals of my life with this wine, this wine was just pineapples and guavas and apricots and mangoes and lychees, you know, it was waxy, oily, almost reminded me of what a sheep smells like, but then it tastes like chamomile, Mm -hmm. it's weird, it's wonky, so my challenge to you do you have a movie or video game or anime where you just had to put faith that this thing was going to get better after you've been burned multiple times by other similar styles of this media, be it a movie, a video game? And when you get to the climax of it, you're ready. You're ready to go. You have the controller ready. You're going to dedicate six hours to finish this. And boom, one of the best things you've ever seen or played. But the highlight here is that for the first few times you played this or watched this, you're like, this is bullshit. I'm wasting my time. It's not worth doing. I could be doing other things. I could be drinking, you know, the equivalent, you know, well, you know, a French Syrah. Well, actually, you know, French Syrah can be tricky too. Let's say a Gamay or a Beaujolais. Those things always taste great. I could be having fun with that. 
But instead, I'm willing to invest my time to make sure that, or to have faith that you're not going to disappoint me. You're traumatized. <laughs> Ruth San for you. <laughs> so I have, I have, I have a meme answer, and I have a real answer. Let's start with a meme answer. But if I may, before I get to any of that, I do, I do have a legitimate question. Yes. You're waiting for this thing to open up, three minutes at a time, sometimes days at a time. Are you decanting this thing, or are no. you? So closing the bottle or are you leaving the bottle? So open? I open the bottle. So this is again, if you want to play with grenades again, you could decant your wine, but decanting, you're gonna expose your wine to so much more oxygen that your mm-hmm. window is significantly shorter. Okay. Versus if you just open the cork and pour very gently to not get so much air in there, you're better off that way because then you could see the slow evolution versus yeah. A decanter for Rusan, unless you know what you're doing, and I've been doing this for years, and I still don't know what the fuck I'm doing with Rusan. I mean, you are playing with fire. So you're and putting let, the cork back. I'm putting the cork back, not even laying on its side because I'm like, okay, I know that if I keep it standing up, only this much air is exposed. Versus if I lay it down, holy fucking shit, all that air is touching the wine. Yeah. Unless the winemaker himself or herself or them themselves gave you explicit directions to decant for a certain amount of time, you're winging it. <laughs> And again, other grapes like Cabernet, Malbec, Merlot, they're not this complicated. Yeah. Well, I mean, Cabernet can be, but it's a, to, to, the most complicated grapes on this plant. Okay, let's start with this. The simplest one is Riesling. Riesling will always love you. Yeah. Riesling, it doesn't give a shit, you know, about closing or shutting down. It's no, 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 no. Come to me. I'll give you a hug. I will love you. I will show you the, the love you need. Maybe to you, that is Tears of Kingdom, where yeah. you know what you're going to walk into. You're going to just feel loved. You're like, oh my God, I have this. Now, this bitch known as Roussan, Chenin Blanc, and the red equivalent, Nebbiolo. Mm. These grapes haunt me constantly. Constantly, Victor. And yet, how many bottles of them have you bought? Far too many to count. <laughs> Far too many. And same thing with bitch-ass Pinot Noir. Oh, mm. my God. Especially the French. Burgundies, man, you can spend 400 bucks on a bottle of wine. If you don't time that correctly... But yeah, let's go with the let's go with the media here. What do you think? Okay, so my meme answer is an anime. It's called Naruto. <laughs> <laughs> you knew one of these fuck you knew one of these days, you fuckers, I was gonna pull out Naruto. And I'm gonna do it early because uh disclaimer, th- these are my personal opinions about Naruto. Which is why it's the meme answer. Fucking okay, so Naruto. Starts out with the story about a boy who wants to become the fucking Lord Master of the village because he was raised, chastised by the village because he has a demon monster inside of him. This is the guy with the whiskers, right? Yeah. And, and so he spends multiple seasons and multiple spinoffs. Well, spinoffs of the same story, so it's not actually a spinoff, it's canon. Uh, just like growing up, learning to be the best ninja ever and just whooping everyone's ass. But here's the thing. The journey to get there is turmoil, frustration, depression, <laughs> just all the feelings you're going to have just sitting down and watching some TV. It is and, you're, and you're just like, you're just like, bro, the first two seasons I was excited. You came out of the gate. You're so promising. You're 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 promising like 
all like these these flavors and tannins and, and all the equivalency that your grapes giving you like you're, you're promising me action you're promising me some drama you're promising me some like bonded bonded friendships for life and stuff like that and all of a sudden when the going gets and i'm fully invested you fucking you fucking you fall off a cliff and you start having these filler episodes that have nothing to do with anything and you start having actual seasons that also do nothing for you and you're just like okay well, I mean, I'm getting frustrated. I'm, I'm getting fed up. I guess I'm just going to have to, like, come back to it later. So you spend, this is when I'm starting going to start getting personal, you spend most of your high school career ignoring it. You're just like, maybe I'll learn more about it, you know, through the ambience of the internet. Maybe I'll read, like, a thing or two. And then maybe one day I'll read a thing being like, you know, Naruto's on the up and up again. Go watch it. And one day that did happen. Finally, there's a season where the two main best friends, Naruto and Sasuke, the most well-known characters in the thing, they're fighting. And you're just like, oh, what are they fighting about? So you go back into the show, you catch up, you go through all the sludge and dread and all the stuff oh. to get to the episode that everyone's talking about. And you're just like, fuck yeah, dude, Naruto, Naruto's back. It's, it's fucking cracked. It's just going hard and, you, and you're here for all of it. And then, and then the fight's over. And the season ends, and you're just like, I thought there was more to this. What happened? And all of a sudden, you're waiting three years for the new season to come out. Oh, hell no. Which is Naruto, uh, Nar- it's called Naruto Shupiden, but it's a continuation. It's just like years later in the story. Like, Naruto's now an adult, and he's still fighting Sasuke, and you're like, okay, let's go. And then he fights Sasuke for like, he doesn't even fight him. He like glares at him. He's like, Brr. And then the episode's over, and you're just like, what the hell is happening? And then for, like, more seasons, there's no Sasuke. Sasuke's, like, running around somewhere. Naruto's constantly chasing after him. and Doing, doing his it. little and, run. Yeah, doing his run. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, like, chasing other missions and baddies, which is cool. There's great action in it. But you're just, like... It's mid. You're just, like, it's just mid. You're just, like, you're just waiting. You're just, like... You're wait. You're waiting. You're thirty minutes. My equivalent of like months and years at a time. I'm just like waiting. I'm just like screw this. I'm too emotional for this. I'm I'm gonna wait. And then again, the articles will like trickle in, being just like it's getting good again. And then I watch it. And I'm like I disagree. <laughs> and all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden, you're no longer in high school. All of a sudden. You're you're even out of college. You're you're working. You're a full grown adult working that fucking nine to five, getting that minimum wage, and yet you go home and you go check if Naruto's good again. <laughs> oh no! Is that the story to this day? <laughs> That's the story. It finally ended. Naruto's done. Now, I think currently there's a spinoff called Baruto, which is stupid. And it's about his son, and no one cares. That's how I feel about a grape called Pinotage. <laughs> But that'll be a different story. <laughs> and then you finally get to the very last episode of Naruto Shimpin, and you're just like, okay, here we go. It's a great ninja war. Everybody's fighting. But more importantly, Naruto and Sasuke are about to fight again. And it all pays off. You finally, you finally find it be like, oh my god, this is it. Time to cook the meal. Time to, time to prep. Time to call off work. Time to just, just me. I'm going to encapsulate myself in this bubble and just watch these last five episodes of Naruto and you know what 
when I first watched it, I was angry because I was just like, it just should have just been this. But in retrospect, that's all I wanted. I wanted Naruto and Sasuke to fight, find a conclusion, and then and then end. And it did. And I was in retrospect, I was pretty happy, but I was also angry because I knew it wasn't the end, because I knew Barto was gonna come anyway. But I'm putting that aside and saying that was my day. That was my 30 minutes that I found. Now the question enjoyed. is, was it worth it? Because I will say that Rusen, for as much as it pisses me off when it's right, it's glorious, and there are few lines that will ever rival that. As a person who's been watching Naruto since high school, I would say that it should never be worth it. Anime should be short. They should be only a couple of years long. But at the most, I usually watch anime that is like 13 episodes, not fucking 800. <laughs> okay, it's not 800. It's not, it's not One Piece. It's probably, it's like, it's probably like 300. It's probably like 300 episodes. Uh, One Piece is even longer. One Piece is still going. And it's like thousands of episodes. Anyways, but that's a, that's a different... I, so that was the meme answer, right? That was the meme answer. So what's the official answer? The, the official answer is a video game called Elder Scrolls. Christ. Oh my God. I've heard about that one. Wait, that's not Elden, Elden Ring, right? Elden Scrolls 4 Oblivion. This game... Is also full of emotions, but I think I'm pretty sure this will apply nowadays. Because the game's just old enough that if you go back and try to play it, whether it's your first playthrough or maybe your fifth playthrough, if you play right now, it's kind of hard. Because mm. mechanically, everything's a little old. That has nothing to do with the, with the grave you're describing, but here's where it comes into play. You'll turn it on, you'll play it, and you'll be like, Okay, I kind of get it. It's an RPG where you can go wherever you want. All right. But the problem with that, especially with people with brains like me, is I'm just like, okay, I'm going to go this way. Oh, I'm having a bad time. I'm having a frustrating time. Maybe I went the wrong way. Maybe there's all a bunch of strong enemies this time. I'm just going to drop off for a couple of years. One day I'm going to come back and be like, hey, I'm in a oblivion. Apparently it's supposed to be good. I think I played it before. And you've started a brand new save file and you go in a different direction. And you're just like, that was kind of boring. Over here was hard. Over here is kind of boring. Years later, let me try it again. This way, oh, it's kind of fun, but I'm not sure I, I understand the stat system. For some reason, it's really hard to level up. I'm not going to play for a while. More years pass by. It's now your fourth playthrough. You've seen the big, uh, you've seen the opening cinematic I'm so many times frustrated for that, you. that you memorize the when the king's just like I've seen your face before, <laughs> and you're just like yeah I've seen you too I'm tired of looking fucking looking at you, so all this stuff this is this is my actual real time playing this game I've tried playing this game like six times and every single time I was just like it's hard it's boring I don't get it blah blah. And then one day, there's this, this magical 30-minute window, <laughs> again, where I get in there and I'm just like, holy shit. This game is made for the gods. <laughs> you had that epiphany, the revelation. I hit, that, I hit that one string of mission where I was just like, oh my god. S small side missions matter. The big main mission matter. Going off the beaten, pave, the beaten path matters. You can find secret hidden weapons and armors and like greaves and boots that like immediately jump your stats. And you find out how leveling up works where it's just like, oh, 
the reason why I wasn't able to level up is because you literally had to go to sleep every time you have enough experience points. No one told me that. Maybe the game did, but I didn't know that. I was just like, oh, you should go level up. What does that mean? I'm hitting star button. I'm hitting triangle button. I'm looking throughout the menus. How the fuck do I level up? <laughs> Turns out you just gotta go to fucking sleep. But anyways. Anyways. Rage. I feel that with Rusan. Anyways, I found the 30 minute window where I was just like, this game's perfect. And it's amazing. And like, and the worlds of possibilities when you find, when you find that window is like, oh my God, I found boots that literally lets me hop over entire castles. I found, I found the sword that not only can kill people in one hit, but it'll suck their, their magic essence and get absorbed into my sword that makes it even stronger. I'm having armor or like every time I'm, hit with like fireballs and lightning and stuff like that the magic defense goes up so the more i'm attacked the stronger the more the stronger my defenses are you start finding the potential and the things and it just starts you start eating it up and you're just like this is the best game ever made i can never stop playing it i'm so all worth it it's been all worth it and i guarantee you if you if it's the first time you've ever played oblivion i guarantee you're gonna have a hard ass time getting it you're going to be frustrated. You're going to be looking for your 30 minutes. And you know what? If you push through, if you call off work, <laughs> you'll find it. That, that, that's the story. Oh, my God. That's a perfect pairing. Yeah. Get yourself a bottle of Rusan, and I'm almost guaranteeing that the times that those 30 minutes for Elder Scrolls Oblivion roll up and when the Rusan is opened up will never line up because the universe hates you. But it's still worth the shot because there's a chance that, you know, you get that 30-minute window, your Rusan is tasting amazing. Hell, why shoot heroin when you can have that experience? I mean, it's just, you know, serotonin and oxytocin. Like, oh, my God, I'm going to explode from so much joy. And aesthetically, it works, too, because uh, it's a classic fantasy game. Oh, there's li- yeah. there's There's lizards, there's minotaurs, there's orcs. And there's also red wine and meads till you know till the end of time. Oh yeah, so, Rusan's been around for a so long, long, long time too. I'm sure the the winemakers and farmers of the Oblivion world are also having t- tough time with their red wines because they're constantly getting attacked by fucking aphids and fucking orcs. <sighs> so I felt that one in my soul, Victor. Oh my god, a, a video game that finally puts into words and images the pain that is Rusan. Can you imagine in real life you're managing a vineyard and gets attacked by orcs and thieves and raiders? <laughs> like constantly you're constantly having to pull out your magical sword and kill everyone just to just to make some wine. So there, yeah, in uh the region of Barolo in Italy, there are what are known as Chingali, which are pretty much wild boars. Mm-hmm. A little herd of them can decimate your vineyard. And the worst part is they do it. They'll eat your grapes, they'll eat the little stems. And your harvest is ruined. Damn. Now, the grape grows in Barolo. They get back because they, they, they've actually found that, hey, chingale actually tastes really good in pasta. So they'll make them into sauce. <laughs> so it's a war being waged, you know, over grapes and boars pretty much. And, you know, you wild boar pasta, that's a thing in Italy. You can attack my vineyard, but I'm also hungry. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, my grapes are giving you flavor. Put it that way, you know, like you find the essence of Barolo wines in these chingal, and then you just, you know, slice troubles over their flesh, and boom, there you go. There you go. Quintessential Piedmontese dish. All right. What an excellent episode. Oh, time's up already? I think so. Well, I'm pretty sure.
That's so sad. Time is up. Damn. So we don't want it to be, but yeah. I mean, look at that. We were saying that we were sleepy and shit. We start talking about deep seated hatred towards things that actually ended up being great. Look at that. Woke us right up. Yeah. But let's top off this episode with a nice cherry. Before the before before we're, the cameras were rolling, I was agonizing over the release date of the PlayStation Four. Now, the reason why it was agonizing to me is because the PlayStation Four was the very first console I ever bought with my own earned, hard-earned American oh. U.S. U.S. dollars, and so it meant a lot to me to as a Remember. lover as a lover of video games. Having all these like these hand-me-down consoles to just provide one of my own and be like, yes. Um, so I'm pretty sure that me not knowing the date is blasphemy for my own timeline and my own main character's storyline. So well, my guess, I was guessing the whole time, and Victor looked it up for me and said, you want me to tell you? And I said, not yet. I'll get it. So here's my official guess. And you're going to tell me if I'm wrong or not. I think the release date... I'm scared. Date, I'm scared. I think the release date for the PlayStation 4 was November 16, 2016. No. It was in the year 2013. I didn't get the month and the date, though, but I just know when I looked it up, it's a 2013. <sighs> It's okay. I still can't remember the name of the wine in your closet. Oh, I'm sad. Oh, sad ending to the show. See, that's what I thought too. I was just like, I was like, it can't be 2016 because I feel like you were saying 2014, and you were really, really close. Yeah, I was saying 14 before, and then I switched to 16. But then I was just like, it can't be a 16 because that would mean it would only be like five or six years old when the PS5 came out, and that's not true. So it has to be 14. But for some reason, I stuck to my guns with 16. I should not have. Uh, especially when the release date for, you know what I'm thinking of? I'm probably thinking of the PS3 because there's this excellent marketing logo that the PS3 did where it was like three dashes and a seven because there's like all, it's like four dashes and obviously for the seven, there's like a little line above it. Mm -hmm. And that was like the marketing logo for the release date for the PS3, which is November 17th. Ah. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, I feel like PlayStations always come out around November. They always come around bef- just, like, just before Christmas time. So you, m- can, you might be right about the month. So they can easily maximize their uh, monetary gains. Their monetary gains in the holidays. So what was the date? Uh, the date, I don't know, but I just remember seeing the year 2013. That 2013. was the year okay. PS4 was released. Well, while I look it up, we'll just sign off. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Course Controllers. If you have any wines or games that you would like us to pair, you can email us at podcast at speakiki.net. And I know you're asking yourself, who the hell is speakiki.net? Let me tell you this. OG you. of podcasts. Not only is it the OG, I've, the I've, I've redconned it into being like the parent like media company. Because uh, one day, your boy's big dreams is to have more than one show. And it'll be under the umbrella of Speaking Media. But until that day, that's just the email. It's just podcast at speaking.net. That's where you're going to reach us. That's where you're going to reach Victor. And uh, we'll read all your stuff. You can also use that email, by the way, if you're a vendor, winemaker, distiller, brewery, game publisher. Hmm? 
Uh, if you know, if you want to help us support the show in any way that you feel fit for, if you if you just want us to go to your amazing, wonderful place of magic making, Victor's got a fast track, and I, I got do. A, and I got a car. <laughs> yeah, well, we do, and we got the wheel to get there, and uh, and we'll be happy to to promote you on our future table. Yes. Because right now, we've only been promoting stuff that we genuinely like. Yeah. Which, I mean, hey, Clodoval, if you're watching this, I love you. And, uh, and there's, there's no saying that we won't genuinely like you as well. So, you know, yeah, the experience goes oh. a long way into promoting things. Before that, I forgot my, uh, my video game knowledge was filling some FOMO of Victor having the feature table. So guess what? There's two feature tables now. Up here, we have ourselves... Ah, the Oculus Quest 2. So now I get to nerd out, and I'll do it really quickly. So the Oculus Quest 2 is obviously the sequel to the Oculus Quest, which is now, if you're confused, it just zipped up for some reason. If now you're confused, you're just like, what do you mean the Oculus? Who's Oculus? I know. Meta's weird. They renamed it to the Meta Quest 2. But to my eyes and to this marketing brand right here, it'll always be the Oculus, because Oculus had the vision. Meta just had the money. So, uh, this is a, as you can tell, it's a VR headset that's all contained. You don't need to have a PlayStation or an existing computer and plug it in and have all the graphics that way. It's all self-contained. This is basically a smartphone inside some glasses. And you put it on, and you can have yourself a great time. Now, the reason why this is very significant uh, to be featured is because this is the first mainstream headset to just be adopted by most people. It came at a fantastic price point. Of three hundred dollars, sometimes it was as low as two fifty. But imagine that phones nowadays cost like eight hundred, yeah, thousand dollars. Consoles cost six hundred dollars, and all this stuff. And you're just like, wait a minute, for fractions of the cost, you're telling me I can be inside video games? And I think that was the major marketing win for them. Unfortunately, Meta has. The weirdest business strategy of trying to be the metaverse and trying to do anything that isn't a video game. They're just like, hey, you want to put on a headset and do office work? Why would I do that? Why would I do that when I can play some Beat Saber? Or so, do actual office work. <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh, put this on and you'll have like all the all the desktop virtual desktop monitors you can have. You can have your spreadsheet over here, you can have your Twitter over here, you can have your Fucking whatever Victor works on in the middle monitor. And it's just like, yeah, but I already have two actual monitors on my desk. And I got to have your hands to actually control the tangible. And my eyes won't be strained from looking at a screen that's, that's yeah. <laughs> less than an inch away from my eyeballs. So, you know. Oculus. To, to each their own. Meta. Hope it works out for you. <laughs> Here are the controllers. Isn't that fun? What the hell? Oh, yeah. <laughs> How so, do you even... Oh, this makes sense, I think. There you go. So that's our future video games. These are our future wines. If you want to be in the spot, you know who to email. Anyways, you can follow us on various social media sites. That is Threads. That is TikTok. Of course, there's YouTube. And our podcast is available on all major pref- um, podcasting platforms, Spotify, Apple. Pocket Cast, that's my favorite app. Um... Anyways, yeah, and we'll see you next time. I was going to say God bless, but I I only say that as a meme. I don't mean it. 
but no offense to you, you can be blessed by his noodly appendage, this flying spaghetti monster. Ramen. Thanks for saving me. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye. And our spaghetti friend we trust. Bye bye. <laughs>